He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story, out of nowhere. It looks like I'm a rat. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Welcome to week 21 of A Good Talk Spoiled. Usually you'd be hearing Bobby right now, but he's not with us, so I'm standing in. I'm James Richardson, and I'm joined today with Alan. Hey, James. And I'm joined by Barry as well. Hey, guys. Um, Just very quickly, thanks for all the feedback over the last week. It's been really positive. If anybody wants to get in touch with the show, please do. It's uh, the email address is a good talk spoiled at gmail.com or our Twitter handle is at podcast GTS. Uh, we love to hear from you and keep the information coming in and we'll try and get through it as best as we can. While the presenters changed, the agenda is still the same and we usually start with our own games. Alan, were you playing at the weekend? I did. I've had a couple of games in the last week. I had a four ball competition on Saturday. So myself and my partner had 43 points, which was... Only good enough for a second place on a count back, unfortunately. Ooh. And then I had my first round of the club match play last night, which didn't go very well either. After a good promising start, I was two up through two. I um, proceeded to hit the ball to every part of the golf course that didn't have short grass. Um, <laughs> and it went into a bit of a meltdown and I lost on 16. So Ooh. Well, at least you finished early. You could walk in from there, can you? We didn't even, it didn't even get to do that because your man wanted to play the rest of the way in and all I wanted oh. to do was just... Bury, no. bury my head. And can I ask, did you find the short grass on 17 and 18? No, I didn't even know. <laughs> I actually lost a ball on 18. It was just, it was horrendous. It was I'm sure salt. somebody will throw it back into the pro shop for you this week. Salt in the wound. Oh yeah, somebody has threw a golf ball at your car from Milltown during the week. Yeah, actually, yeah. Friday night, I was, it was nice. Somebody was nice enough to put their golf ball through my rear windscreen of the car as well. So it was, a, Jesus. all in all, it was a fantastic last few days of golf. <laughs> Right, well, moving on. Hopefully, to better things. Barry, were you playing this weekend? Uh, yeah, I'll start with the okay news. I uh, had a medal on Saturday. Um, I played okay. It was two over par, so um, reasonably, reasonably happy. It was in Glendalones. Where did you finish? The result system on our club is a bit messed up at the moment, so they only gave the top three for the overall and the top three for each class, so I actually have no idea. So, last last week in the President's, when you weren't here, you finished third, yeah. and last week you're outside the top third, so you're going backwards this week. Yeah, I probably should quit this show. Yeah. Yeah, I, think I, I, just I see what off. you're getting at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, sun, Sunday was a good day. I got a call up to the... Metro Cup team for my second cap. I was first reserve. I got to play at home and uh, started really fast. I was four up after five, which is a great position to be in. And probably the first time ever, is it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Deer in the headlights, nearly. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's because uh, you, you know you know there's no need to go for crazy stuff at that stage because the other person has to chase you down. So uh, he had a couple of good holes midway around, got it back to three. Uh, it was never worse than three up after that stage, so I ended up winning three and two, so it was nice. Unfortunately, the team lost six matches to three overall, so that's the end of our run on that. You got your win, though. That's all that matters. Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a, you know, it is a selfish enough game because it's you versus another guy, so um, that, that's all you can do is take, take care of your own match, and hopefully the rest of the team does it uh, as well. So well, talking about taking care of... Our own team. Uh, I played in the Pierce Parcel on Saturday with Barry's dad in the foursomes uh, team competition up in Glen Cullen. And we were playing really well. We started with uh, a bogey and then parred the next two. Thought we were doing really well. I had a beautiful shot in on the par three. And we all thought that it was going to be sitting right by the hole, including the people standing around the tee box. Got up, couldn't find it on the green. Had that cheeky walk past the hole thinking, <laughs> have I, have I? And lo and behold, we found it plugged in the bunker at the back. And nice. that really did start to set the trend for the rest of the round. Oh, no. So, um, thankfully, we didn't qualify, and it wasn't just because of our own score. Everybody's score from Glen of the Downs was appalling. That and day, so. it's four cards to count out of five, though. Four were, you, were you one of the four? Uh, do you know we were all coming in so badly by the time oh, we got to yeah. the back of the 18th we said we don't really care so I, I don't know Alan I can't remember that old exactly what yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a team effort it took everybody working together as a team to fail yeah, yeah, to, yeah. yeah. so let's, let's work off the presumption that James's card did not count it's, I, it's I, a distinct possibility they they were uh, they did break 100 though so yeah, you know, there's no, positives to be taken from it there's a lot of positives uh, one is that uh, my 
playing partner was the, the, the main problem for that round because yeah. he's not here to defend himself. <laughs> I'm going to blame him those on all, everything. Those O'Hanlon's have a, have a reputation <laughs> for doing do. that. Well, he smothered so many shots, <laughs> like father, like son. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it meant I was free on Sunday to go play Killeen Castle, which was a great course. I've never played it before. That's fabulous, that. fabulous place. Um, and there was a hole-in-one, and I have to give a shout-out to the playing partner, uh, Stephen, uh, who had a hole-in-one on the 14th, I think. Nice. His first par three on the back nine, hits it, and uh, one bounce rolls straight in the front door, and he, I think, is still smiling and whooping and hollering right now. And buying so, drinks. Yeah, pity it wasn't an official competition. Uh, yeah. but, uh, yeah. there was no car, there was no car for a prize or anything. <laughs> well, to be fair, the ranger was standing right beside him while it happened, so uh, oh, at brilliant. least it was noted by other people. But I have to say, it was it was a great day out, even though the weather absolutely was appalling on Sunday. But oh, I was caddying on Sunday. It was horrendous. Yeah, thank God for the Galvin greens, but my shoes were soaked. Mm. Moving on then is the time that you both love, and that's the rules question. And I think it's currently 10-10 because you both decided last week to go with the right answer, which is very boring. So it stays 10-10 and Alan to go first. Yeah, nobody likes successful answers, do they? No, no. so hopefully this week, you know, there might be a bit of suspense towards the end. Um, So the question is, in match play, a player's ball lies on a bridge over a water hazard and he grounds his club. What is the ruling? A, no penalty. B, the player loses the hole, or C, the player is penalised two strokes? That's me to go first. It's you to go first. It's a simple question this week, because okay. Bobby's not here. I thought I'd yeah, be exactly, yeah. It's a nice change, all right. We should point out it's nice to have a little break from Bob as well. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> um, yeah, but anyway, long may it continue. <laughs> that's just give, I'm just killing time here to give myself, <laughs> to give myself <laughs> some time to think. I'm going to go with a two-stroke penalty. So you're going C, the player is penalised two strokes. Barry? Yeah. My initial thought was two stroke penalty, but I don't know the bridge. The bridge brings a little bit of a crazy element into it, so I'm going to go different. Roll the dice, and I'm going to go for a no penalty. So a no penalty for Barry. C the player is penalised two strokes, and you'll have to wait till the end of the podcast to find out He's if got we it's have a be, winner. It's got to be two strokes in, inside the hazards, the sticks of the hazard. Yeah, well, see, I'm also banking on the fact that you're on a horrible run of luck with golf at the moment. So That's true. It's quite possible you've lost. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Story of my life, Barry. <laughs> so, we'll find out. Uh, if it's B, then nobody's the winner, which will be really boring, but we'll find out at the end. Um, so, golf news and a roundup of last week's tournament. Um, the Spanish Open was an interesting one. Miguel Angel Jimenez. Is he the most popular winner that could possibly win on the European Tour? Does anybody not like Jimenez? Like, well, the, he's a legend. Probably the guys who finished second to him in the playoff. I'd say they, but they I'd still, say still him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw the photo of him sitting on the trophy with the cigar. Like, if, oh. if there's a guy who just doesn't care anymore, it's got to be him. Like, it's be, beating his own record as the oldest winner on the European Tour as well. Yeah, I and mean, I think he'll keep doing it for a few more years. He's yeah. phenomenal. I loved his um, his little winner speech. You know, the quote that everyone's gone around with all week is, "You know, what's the secret to your success?" To your success? He said, "No secret." You know, good food, good wine, good cigars, a little bit of exercise, and it's we, just brilliant. We'd also like to put a disclaimer that that was Barry's attempt at a <laughs> yeah, Spanish accent. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> isn't sitting here with us at the moment. Uh, did you I, watch much of it, Alan? I uh, I did. I saw quite a bit of it, but I was out caddying on Sunday afternoon, so I missed the last few holes. But what I saw um, when I left, Jimenez was actually in good nick. He was, I think, he was a couple of strokes clear. Mm. But then Richard Green seemed to come through quite strong, and then they all kind of seemed to. <laughs> puked their way over the finish line to end up in a playoff but um, by all accounts Jimenez held himself together pretty well well I, yeah. I, I saw Jimenez at one stage far into the into the forest at one stage uh, fairly early on in the round he looked a bit in trouble but obviously he held it together and came back but was there any other highlights of the, the, the tournament that you thought I, I thought the golf course is great I love seeing winning scores that are close to par you know you know a real challenge for the pros and mm. um, those are really enjoyable to see and you know i'd like to see more tournaments like that mm. not every week but um, certainly more often and uh, i thought uh, the belgian guy peters i thought his swing was absolutely fantastic yeah he's a tour school graduate from last year and if he keeps doing that he's surely got a win in them somewhere you know not not too distant future so um 
with that confidence, you might be back in this week in Wentworth when we get on to that. No, no. I don't so, think so it's not that great no, this week. It'd be interesting to see now if Jimenez kind of if because he has a good record around Wentworth. So it'd be interesting yeah. to see if he goes well this week. To be fair, but, he's probably still smoking yeah. cigars and drinking wine exactly. right now. I, I was going to say, I, I'd say, I'd say he's been smashing up the Rioja all week. So I'd say he'll stumble onto the first. Is that not what he team. does every day though? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, Battle hardened. It's just routine. I, I just want to remind the listeners: last week, somebody in this podcast suggested that they were going to fill their boots with uh, Sergio Garcia um, at five to one. I'm wondering if those boots feel very, very empty. Right Right now, yeah, I had to sell those boots. <laughs> <laughs> there ain't no leather left in them. <laughs> and n- not only that, I actually b- ended up backing Chris Wood as well at fifty to one for uh, each way, and he was in fourth place going down the last, and had a bogey to finish in seventh place, oh. and I had him top six. Brilliant. <laughs> so that would have covered my Garcia bet, the place but would have been. So would have, but now I'm, yeah, I'm in, I'm in a bit, I'm in a spot of bother. Yeah, yeah, great week for you in golf, though. Great week, fantastic, yeah, yeah. super. In terms of just to, to go back to him in this for thirty seconds, um, Ryder Cup lock in. Well, he's on the edge now. He's on the he's on the cusp of it. So that's why I'm thinking. Like you wonder, there'd be a lot of points up for grabs this week at Wentworth. So like. I'd love to see him make it. I think he'd be a fantastic addition. The yeah, players love him as great well. for morale. I mean, he just can't seem to play badly at the moment. He's just knocking in top tens every yeah. week. It's if he doesn't make it, does he get your wild card, Barry? Oh, wow! Good question. Yeah, no, I, I, I have a few here. This is me, my audition to take this from Bob. Permanent. He'd be so very high in the consideration for me. I think it depends how he's playing. If he's in form, maybe. But if he's not showing a huge amount of form. Mm. Come the end of the summer, I would say no. So if Bob was here, you'd you'd have to wait and see. Well, it depends who else doesn't make it as well. Yeah, that's a very loaded question. Yeah, so yeah a lot of factors involved. All right. Well, we'll come back to it closer to the day and yeah. see uh, what they say. Uh, good good rounds for the Irish lads. Gareth Maven uh, quite high up as well, and Shane Lowry, Dave Higgins, Kevin Phelan, and Simon Thornton all playing over the weekend. You know, the lads putting a bit of form in. Hopefully, yeah. that will kickstart a lot of their seasons and. It's nice, maybe they're, you know, back now in Spain, you know, a bit of warm weather, they feel it coming in, the season's good, you know. It was good, um, to, see, it was good to see Larry go well, because he's been very quiet this year, and um, he's got a good record in Wentworth as well, so he might he might do something this week. Yeah, hopefully he can hold the form and just kind of get on a run, because he's yeah. had a tough time recently, so uh, it's good, good to see the, all the boys up doing well. Well, obviously now they're back in Spain, they're back to the usual Irish weather of sunshine and Rioja and cigars, <laughs> so obviously they play better in the weather. Plenty of Spain down, uh, starting rain down in Spain at the moment. So there is a plenty of Spain yeah, down in Spain all night. <laughs> maybe, maybe, that's why, maybe that's why they're all doing well, because the, you know, the Irish weather's down below. Down Are you sure you're not on the Rioja tonight <laughs> as well, Barry? Yeah, I wish, yeah. Miguel's Rioja. That's good so, stuff. We go from Spain to the Byron Nelson. Anybody watch much? Todd wins with the 77, I think he started with. It was a good comeback over the yeah. course of the weekend. Did you watch uh, much of it, Barry? Uh, I watched quite a good bit of it, yeah. Got, got to see it on Sunday night after my golf. Um, he was really solid down the stretch, and including that crazy reverse chip with the back of his club that basically won him the tournament. Yeah, I was going to say, Keimer last year was my shot of the year with that putt on 17, but he's now been overtaken by that. <laughs> the back of a forearm. You could have like, a, a lot of joint first. Yeah, I'll yeah, probably be doing a new one every week, but that shot was just insane. Ridiculous. His, his short game was just dynamite down the stretch. Yeah. I watched the whole final round, and he never looked like losing it. The putt on 17 was... A, a, Brilliant that thing was going fast as well. Yeah, that didn't hit the hole. It was a good bit by. But I think he said he practices with his brother or a friend of his as a lefty. Yeah, and he it. he puts yeah. with their putter quite a bit. So the the left handed chip at the back of his club actually felt reasonably natural, or as natural as it could feel for a completely unnatural shot. So, uh, yeah. um, but even then to back to back it up by knocking in the eight footer oh, as well, it was it was a sensational up and down. One yeah. of the best pars you'll ever see. Harrington um, had a good week. Speaking of you know Irish going well. Yep. He had a t- tough final round, including his um, insane ball going in and out of the hole. Well, before you, before, before you go to that, um, when you're talking about Pork Harrington, Alan, do you think it's the start of a, the new Pork Harrington? Is this is this just a passing phase, or is this actually a... Uh... Well, I suppose the interesting thing was that he putted a lot better the first mm. three days. Um, he putted very well, which he hasn't been doing, obviously, for the last couple of years, really. So... He says he's been working a lot in the short game, so you'd like to think that hopefully there might be kind of a few green shoots of recovery. And I'd say it was probably he hasn't been in contention so long that mm. that probably explains the final round. I think mm. he only hit three fairways in the final round. Yeah. yeah. Um. So 
I don't know, possibly a wait and see. You'll probably get a better idea after Wentworth this week because he doesn't like Wentworth. Um, so, Wentworth's not awful there, though. But he always says he just doesn't. He always says he's not a fan of the course. So if he was to go well this week, but well, then you you could make an argument that yeah, very much. He's on the way back. But you were saying uh, we've talked in in the past uh, how many bits of bad luck Pork has had over the last couple of weeks between half breaking a tendon in his finger or whatever it was and various other things. You were about to say uh, one of the really horrible situations that could happen to any golfer and it yeah, happened to Pork on, on the final round. The ball jars into the hole for an eagle after, you know, he's his third shot in the par five, pops into the bottom of the cup and just shoots back out and stops a couple of inches from the hole and he has a tap-in birdie instead of the eagle just sitting there. And it was very, very entertaining but painful at the same time. I'd say that that, that must kill to see that happening you know I, I can't think of that ever happening before I've had that happen to me before I was telling Bob before I had I had I've never had a hole in one and when I was must be about 15 years ago I hit a shot <laughs> and, and it went went straight into the hole pitched straight into the hole popped itself back out to two feet and I went down like three putts. <laughs> <laughs> but in fairness, you were no probably still swinging the golf club around in the air like a madman. I was too busy crying, I think, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. The experience. So I know, I know how Podrick feels. <laughs> and you've never had a home one, have you? Not, no, never, no. Oh my god, that's cruel. Well, you, you did, but it popped out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Will we, uh, we, we, we count it? Was that no. The, the <laughs> asterisk beside it? Yeah. One and a half? Doesn't count. Uh, <laughs> but, um,. <clears throat> But it was, a, it was a good tournament. It was interesting. It, it, it's always tough where you come off the likes of a major or the Players' Championship. Some of the big names start to kind of take a week off, especially where they then have their lead up into the next major tournament. But it was a good tournament. It was an interesting one. It's another first-time winner as well. And it's actually nice to see it's nice to see someone close out a tournament really well, you know? And Absolutely, actually yeah. Than, actually go out and win it themselves. Yeah, yeah. puking over the line like they've all been doing. Yeah. And I think, to be fair, I... Last week was going to back Boo Weekly and then told all the people on the podcast that at 125 to 1, he had a woeful record at the Byron Nelson and then he ends up top uh, 5. Mm. I think that you had the presenter bet last week, Barry, with Leishman. Isn't Leishman, that yeah, correct? finished third, had a bad back nine, so um, he seems to like that tournament, but you know, nice to get a win in the presenter bet. Any, they, wins, any wins a good win. Did anybody have any bets last week? No, I didn't. Tournament? No. no, I didn't have any in the States, no. Um, in relation to other news of interest, uh, Adam Scott got to world number one and he didn't even play. That's the kind of way I want to become world number one. I just don't play any golf and I could become it. Alan could definitely do that. He hates playing golf. Yeah. yeah. It sounds good to me. <laughs> uh, and uh, Lucy Neal, uh, apologies if I have her name wrong, 11-year-old golfer, his female golfer. Yeah, Alan, I think you were pointing this out to me over the week. Some achievement, all right, isn't it? Qualified, Qualified for the, the Women's US Open. At the age of 11, yeah. It's ridiculous. It just it's makes you kind of want to cry, doesn't it? Oh, jeez. Make you sick, all right. <laughs> uh, and obviously the big announcement today, and this is why we decided to hold off on the podcast till Wednesday, was uh, we had a little bit of maybe a preview on the fact that Rory and uh, Caroline Wozniacki have uh, broken off their engagement. Mm. Yeah. The big entertainment news of the week. Big entertainment news. Yeah. There he is. <laughs> I did send an email to Rory this morning asking if he could just tell me his address so I can return the invite that I received, <laughs> you know, uh, Lucky I didn't buy the uh, flights, but um, it would be interesting to see how that affects him uh, over the next couple of weeks, or certainly yeah, this week in Wentworth. I think uh, so, yeah, because his interviews today were kind of interesting. He seemed a bit, kind of, I suppose, but he's probably getting grilled by the guys and yeah. he didn't want to talk about it. It's, it's tough for him living his life in a golfish ball, I suppose, like that. But He'll either be scrambled or completely unshackled. Yeah, it, it, it won't say much for Caroline if he goes out and wins this week. Well, that's true, but uh, <laughs> I have to say that it, it concerns me slightly, not about the breaking up the engagement, but just generally how the advisors and the last couple of years, he's made a huge amount of mistakes, very public mistakes, yeah. changing from Titleist, the breakup with the, uh, the the media company that's gone before the courts, now the engagement, you know, he, he really would want to draw a line under the, this period and kind of just keep the head down and win some tournaments and get back to playing golf. But He needs to go out and have a bit of fun off the golf course for a few years. But he could phone not, his not good friend Tiger. And, you exactly. know, he's he's yeah. back he's, doing nothing at the moment. He's got the master in his uh, stable anyway to give him advice on how to do that. <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose he's young, free and single now, so enjoy it. Um, Before we get ourselves into any legal issues. Yeah, here. we'll move swiftly <laughs> on, and I think that's a great moment to go. The top 200, Alan. 
Any yeah, news? I'll give a very quick update. There wasn't a huge amount of movement. Um, just to flag it up to any new listeners, it's a competition where we pick two players, one from the European Tour, one from the US Tour. They need to be outside the top 200 in the world rankings. So if you want to enter, just um, send your two players to our Twitter handle, which is at PodcastGTS, and just put a hashtag top 200 before or after your two players. Um, we're going to keep entries open for another eight weeks. Um, just to flag up, then this week there wasn't really much movement kind of up or down the real mover was Kev Coughlin who had Nicholas was it Nicholas Kiefer I see the tennis player Maximilian Kiefer yeah great first name Maximilian Kiefer who was fifth who finished fifth in Spain so he moved 34 spots Um, there's a few people who lost places but all in all not a huge amount of movement Um, the top three remains unchanged Stephen O'Connor's first at 264 I'm still second at 289 and my friend Davy De Grief is closing the gap on me to two nine three. Come on, Davy. Yeah, we're all rooting so, for that guy. Uh, yeah. That's Alan's misery. Come on. <laughs> so we'll um, we'll Back post down. up the we'll post up the leaderboard anyway later on, and people yeah. can see where this. I mean. Perfect. Well, thanks for that, Alan. And eight weeks, eight weeks, to eight weeks. We're going to close it off for the British Open. British so, Open. So okay, still so a bit of time. Mm-hmm. Still a bit of time to get in. Uh, so moving on to the main topic, we had the great first part of the interview last week with Gary Murphy and it's still available if anybody wants to listen to it before listening to part two and it's had great feedback from listeners and I have to say I've already heard this part of the interview I thought it was great Uh, and again just want to thank Gary Murphy for doing this because it was a huge amount of time and he gave of his time so much to it so I hope you enjoy the second part of the interview with Gary Murphy. And that's the thing when when like when you watch on golf on TV and you see someone finishing poorly, I suppose you never get an an, an understanding for that as a viewer, you know. Well, I think I think Wayne Riley made a, made a great comment one time. He said, "Like a putt for a hundred grand is easy because mm. you know you're guaranteed about seventy. Yeah. <laughs> but when you're on the line trying to trying to keep your car in the last amount of the year, yeah, that's. You know, a totally different set of circumstances. And th- this is obviously a total amateur asking this question, but I was wondering as well recently that with the way the tour is structured, that if you were in the top 125, you get a card, and if you're 126, and this may be more relevant than the States, if you're 126 to 150, will you get a Challenge Tour card, and you probably get into maybe 30% of the PGA Tour events. Would, does that make it any easier or is it still just your your only goal is the full PGA or European Tour card? Well, if you keep a card in the European Tour and you're the last guy to keep a card and then if you're the next guy so you're the first guy to miss out and you go to Tour School and you win the Tour School you're still about 40 spots behind where you would be if you'd been one spot in front okay. now at all these co-sanctioned events in Europe as you're saying like Peter hasn't gotten into some events this year yeah yeah um, it's getting tighter and tighter and tighter and the events towards the end of the season it's only winners get in yeah, so yeah. it's so important to try to finish in, in Europe especially in, in the 110 category just going back I suppose we talked about Asia earlier on you went there your first bit of success was in the Asian Tour, tour of q Skills. That, that's fair to say you actually won the q Skill. yeah my, my, my first year as a pro in 96 I went to Tour School in Asia and I actually missed a couple of shot. Uh, when I missed out my car by a shot I, I I missed about a two foot putt in the 17th hole when I forgot it I had a straight down the flag thought I was in the hole in for birdie uh, and these guys were, I was playing with they were in a bunker and there was a big long ruling and I didn't want to get involved so I was looking at this putt and it was a dead straight putt but I'd been looking at it for 10 minutes by the time I got to hit it it was outside the hole and I missed it and then I birdied the last I still missed out by a shot oh, no. uh, but then I went back the following year um, and I did it better the following year. I went with Graham Spring, a great friend of mine, the first guy I ever I played my full first 18 holes with. But And we kind of turned pro at the same time, so we, and we went out to Bangkok for a week before because the, the finals were on the Philippines, um, which was similar temperatures. So to go straight from Ireland straight in there was, was not going to be ideal preparation. Yeah. So we went to Bangkok for a week. Um, and practiced at a fantastic resort, got acclimatized, then went to the Philippines, yeah. broke up the journey too. Yeah. And I played great and I won the tour school. Nineteen ninety five to two thousand and three, before you became a fully established pro. How difficult was that period? And you and you mentioned as well about the finances there. You know? It was kinda it was it was good in a sense. I mean my, my darkest darkest year was probably 
um, I would say 98. Okay. I mean, I turned pro in 96. You know, as I was alluding to the younger guys today, I mean, I wasn't much different. I was, you know, kind of, I'm on a journey here. So the first kind of year or so, and then in 97, I did well. I won the tour school in Asia. I kept my card out there. I met a few Bob. I came back, qualified for the British Open. I kind of got in the Irish Open. I was making cuts. And I, I only got into seven events on the Challenge Show that year, but I won enough money in those seven events to keep my category, or to mm. get a category. Mm. You know, so I was performing. I was knocking around, not doing anything fantastic. Yeah. But, you know, guys I had turned pro with at the same time had gotten onto tour and, and won. But I felt it was... I just really enjoyed what I did. And I, yeah. I was making a few bob. I wasn't, you know, buying Ferraris by any stretch. But, yeah. And I was learning my trade. And I was always knocking around the fringes. I was getting a couple of invites to play in Europe and the yeah. main events. So, so kind of... So the weird thing then was in 2099 I got through at tour school. In 2000, my first full year on tour, I still hadn't learned enough from those experiences. And I still... My game was, was fine. And what... what? Didn't you know that you that you you needed to know? Just spending spending too much time working on the wrong things. Okay. You know, wasting time with coaches and mm. uh, looking around at other people, thinking, "Well, this is what they do, and if that's what they do, that's kind of what I should yeah. do." Yeah. And that's why one reason why I admire Shane Lowry so much. I mean, Shane does his thing, mm. and Stephen Dodd is a similar, a very similar character to Shane. And um, he's not a guy that hits a lot of balls he likes to play yeah, yeah. if you can trust yourself to go well, that's what you need to do to get the best of yourself mm. well, my short game wedge play was never strong enough I mean, never spend enough time on it yeah. so, well, if my long game is good enough it, and when you're at top level sport if there's, if there's a weakness there's no hiding place out there and, and I think that's what I learned and then when I went back out on tour I, I just stuck to, stuck to me and stuck to what was good for me yeah. uh, didn't, didn't look around so much and just got on with my game and and my game was good enough. You had a great run in 2008 uh, in the Irish Open in Adair. What, is it fair to say that's probably your uh, your most enjoyable Irish Open, 2008? Yeah, I, I think possibly, possibly was. Uh, I had a I had a good chance to win, and I I got off to a really fast start in the last round. I just couldn't keep it going. Mm. Um, I, I three put of the eighth hole, and I remember in the last round, and I kind of stopped me in my tracks and I, I played nicely coming in and uh, just didn't didn't hold enough putts and started looking at the leaderboard a bit too much and then got got out of my what I was trying to do mm. uh, I remember about the 11th or 12th hole I thought oh, I'm just going to get my head down and play uh, and I ended up finished strong I buried the last and at that stage it looked like I might have had a sneak and, mm-hmm. but it didn't didn't work out but it was a course that I, I really enjoyed I mean I finished second there in the Irish PGA to McGinley and, and finished 13th the previous year and it was a really tough track and I enjoyed those courses because yeah. you had to hit it yeah yeah, yeah. Your, your boss tried to make you mention there yeah. comes out yeah. I hope you won't mind me asking this question but in in that year when you look at some of the players that did well Richard Finch won Aguilar who actually won last weekend was second Carlson and Westwood were joined third McElroy was seventh Bradley Dredge, who's uh, kind of on the tour, Alvaro Curis is eighth, Clymer tenth. A lot of top class players who are still on the tour and have gone on. Is there something that those guys have in their game that maybe you didn't that, that suggests maybe why you're not on tour? Um, I would say in my playing time, I never, I never got enough out of my rounds. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, Damien McGrain is probably the best on the tour for that. Mm-hmm. He he turned so many 74s into 69s. Yeah. Whereas I turned too many 69s into 74s. Okay. Um, I never scored heavily enough when I played. Yeah. And then I got frustrated by that. Okay. Um, and let my emotions probably get the better of me. And felt felt like I, I should, should be doing better. Yeah. So I got absorbed by that emotion rather than trying to stick to the detail of, of what sure. you're doing. Um, the, the only, I would say, would I, I probably would I still like to be on tour? A lot of me would say yes. And a lot of me would say no too. So mm. kind of, I was 17 years on the road. Sure, sure, sure. Um, it's a long time. I think if I was, if I was young and single, I'd probably still like to be doing it. But 
I think I think my daughter my daughter was born in 06 um, and my son was born in 2011 I just just lost a little bit of appetite to mm. go away and to, to practice and, and keep playing and stuff and it just seeped in and seeped in um, and that was kind of it more so than anything really did having a family make the decision a bit easier for you to retire from professional golf then? Oh, definitely, undoubtedly. Mm. Um, I, I certainly, I really, really want to stay involved in it uh, as much as I can, and that's why I've tried to, to stay involved, you know, on the media front and stuff, mm. because it's impossible to do something and love something as much as I do and not be involved. Yeah, yeah. And I especially found the first year I struggled to watch tournaments on TV, and then I had to, because you just see them and you can smell them and you feel the places and yeah, you know, it's a bit like. You know, most people go away for two weeks of the year on their holidays. Yeah. And thankfully, Ireland's a little more affluent nowadays. But you know, that was the thing. You'd hear a song that would remind you of that place. Yeah. Like I had that thirty weeks of the year every year for yeah. seventeen years. Yeah, yeah. yeah and it's course. a lot to just turn off the switch and give that up. Um. So that's why I really like. I want to stay involved in the game. Um. But it, but it, it's so transient anyway. I mean, it changes. Mm. Like even at the Irish Open last year, these kids have come through. Who would know me from that? Sure, sure, yeah. You know, I have to kind of go to all the old timers to say hello. And yeah. And these young kids come through. Who are you? Yeah. What, you know, what have you ever done? Sort of thing. Sure, sure, yeah. And that's the way the sport is. You've, you've got to, you've got a two or three year window. And that's it. Do you, when you're watching, let's say, particularly let's say nowadays European tour events, like something like the BMW PGA Championship, do you ever watch it and think? Jeez, if I just pitched up there for the weekend, I could probably do okay. Just do you look at it and go, "Jeez, I think I could still make it. I could still give a good go if I was out there." No, 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 really, couldn't. It's too hard. The, the, the level's just—it's just too good at the moment. Oh, the level is probably the same level as what I was playing at, but I'm not playing at that level. Yeah, yeah, okay. You know what I mean? My—I would say, like Stu, I played in January. I had a game with with a young Irish amateur who's a good player. Played up in Seapoint, and I knocked around and said, "I'm under 65." Easy peasy. Yeah. But to take up in the winter with them the Thursday morning, shoot 65 is apples and oranges. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You mentioned as well that you're trying to keep in, uh, keep in involved in the game. And I suppose the, where you're, we're seeing you a lot more now is on, the, on Sky. And I suppose a lot of our listeners will know you from Sky as well. Is that something that you're enjoying doing? Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't done a lot. I've only done a few gigs with them, but I mean, they're a fantastic company um, to work for. I mean, I've, I've done three productions with three completely different crews, and all the staff are excellent, you yeah. know, really friendly, easy to get along with. And then you're dealing with people that are in the golf industry anyway. Yeah. So everyone's singing from the same hymn sheet. Yeah. It's easy conversation. I know what I'm looking at. I understand it. I've been there and done yeah. it. So. It's uh, it, it's something that I'd like to do more of, um, and it, as I said earlier, it keeps me involved in the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'd also like to, you know, kind of challenge myself in a different way because I'm going in a different. You know, I've done something for so long in my life, and mm. all of a sudden that kind of part of my life is over. So I'm kind of taking, even though it's a similar journey, it's a totally different journey as well. So it's it's exciting from that point of view as well to see where it takes me. And how did you get involved with Sky Sports? How did that opportunity come about? Well, I I, um, I did a cutline program with Tanta, and basically, mm. like, it's a job application, like everybody else. Yeah. I just stuck a CV away, and I put some st- stuff on for them, um, and hounded them as much as I could, and see if I could get some work. And, right. and I got one gig last year um, with Sky, and it seemed to go okay, so a few more this year. And um, what's your next one? My next one, there's two companies that do the Sky Sports and European Tour Productions. My next one is with European Tour Productions at Wentworth. Okay, cool. But my next with Sky is at the Irish Open. Oh, brilliant. Well, they're two fantastic turns in the end. Yeah, well, I was delighted because the one at Wentworth is on course commentary, which, which I really enjoyed at the Irish Open last year because it's easy to hit it with the mic. Yeah. <laughs> well, you also had a go on Shot Centre on Sky Sports as well. Mm-hmm. And... Your first two efforts, Meyer, your first effort at, Scott, at the Shot Centre might have been a bit rusty, but that's fair to say. It was actually totally plausible in the sense that I had no glove. It's quite hot in the studio. Yeah. And 
I had two shots. The second shot I actually told from my head that the club would come out of my hand. <laughs> so, and I got both of, both of them were dry, so it wasn't too bad. Yeah. But no, I I had a, I had no gloves the first night. It was a disaster. The palms were a bit sweaty, so I couldn't hang on to them. Yeah, you've got a lot better since then, anyway, so. Yeah. You you touched on the cut line, and I, and I must say, uh, Satanta are doing a lot of lot of good golf programming at the moment. And in particular, I thought the long walk was very good. Your program the cut line, I thought, was brilliant. It was really really fantastic, and yeah. um, a lot of great interviews. Uh, how did that opportunity come about? And did you enjoy doing that? Talking to actually, I suppose for people who don't know, who haven't seen it, because we have some US listeners, you interviewed a lot of the top Irish stars: Harrington, Clark, uh, Christy O'Connor, and um, Eamon Darcy, I think as well. Yeah, Shane Lowry. Shane Lowry. Yeah. Uh, so you interviewed a lot of our, our our best golfers, and so how did that opportunity come about? And did you enjoy it? Um, I did enjoy it. I enjoyed it immensely. Uh, it came about with two friends of mine who worked in Southampton. Mm. Brian Quinn and Dora McCauley they kind of approached me and asked me would I be interested in doing doing something like that so I I you know sent the feelers out and asked a few of the guys would they help me out mm. um, and the, all the players were brilliant really they said yes straight away there wasn't an issue mm. and, and worked around their schedules and you know as all the Irish guys they're no prima donna so it was, yeah. they were all pretty easy to work with and, and it was a bit like a fireside chat that's why I wanted it to go I didn't want yeah. it to be um, two black and white, and you know, I, I think they were pretty good. Yeah, I thought they were fantastic. Yourself and Porrick seem very good friends, and I, I think, it, and as well, there was a video on the Monster GUI website recently. Did the two of you go way back? Or, or, I mean, we mentioned at the amateurs, two of yeah. you seem to be good friends. We're, I mean, we're, I wouldn't say we're bosom buddies, we're, you know, we're, we get on well together, but mm. um, our careers took a different path, really. We played all our amateur golf together, but then. Podrick obviously got straight on tour and won and went into a different stratosphere as I that I did. But um, yeah, we go back. I mean, way back, nineteen eighty six, Leinster wow. provincial coaching in Woodbrook with David Jones. Um, wow. So since whatever 14, 13, 14 years of age. Yeah. Um, and there, as we were talking about earlier, with team, mm. you know. And in 09, I was struggling to keep my card, and, and Porrick um, got me a last-minute invite to play in Singapore. And we were on the bus, which is no good to the American listeners, but we were on the bus coming back to the hotel one of the days, and we were talking about doing our leaving search and pegs there, so, <laughs> you know, in the middle of a $6 million golf event, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so we got back a bit, and he's obviously had an amazing career. And how do you see his career at the moment? Because I believe he's outside the top two hundred. Which I mean, our our logo on our on our podcast actually is important. We're a huge fan of his. Small bit on the slide at the moment, as I mentioned, outside the top. Hey, yeah, I mean he, he's massively on the slide. I mean he'd be the first to admit that he got to number three in the world, and he's you know there's probably two hundred guys better in the rankings mm. than him at the moment. So he's on a massive slide, and. And no doubt he's working as hard as he was when he was winning majors. It's sometimes the game, you know, the game doesn't know anybody anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether he's undoubtedly lost some of the edge that he had, um, and he's not the player that he was. That's they're just facts. Mm-hmm. But the question remains: Can he get it back? Yeah. Uh, I would love to see him get back to winning ways, yeah, but yeah. The, the longer and longer it goes on, the harder it is to retrieve it. And it's they're tough times, but fingers crossed for. If, uh, if he'll definitely have calluses on his hands anyway when he, when he comes home. Undoubtedly. <laughs> um, just moving on, I suppose, just a general question. My brother attended a talk in Milltown Golf Club, uh, which is in Dublin, and you gave a talk to the senior cup team. When you give a, a talk like that and you're talking to, I suppose, you know, excellent golfers in the golf club, what kind of advice would you give in a talk like that? It's all very basic stuff. Mm. It's all... it's. Um, the better the players, the more simple things are. Mm. Professional golfers, in their detail and structure and preparation for a tournament, it's as simple as possible. Mm. But it's all done correctly. Mm. Amateur golfers and good players, good amateurs, kind of turn up and um, it's just not professional because you know the name is a bit of a giveaway. The term is a giveaway, but mm. basically just helping them with the preparation, uh, helping them with their mindset on the course trying to get the best out of themselves in an enjoyable way mm. especially when you're de- dealing with team golf yeah um, 
you know, it has to be kind of three musketeers type of type of type of attitude. Okay. Um, so a lot of it is just very very simple stuff. But the most important aspect of the whole thing is there has to be interaction from from the guys back to me. Okay. The so worst thing is you sit there chatting for an hour and a half or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And they're nodding their head. It's like circus ponies, you know. And yeah. then and then they start bouncing off from one another, and mm-hmm. and then you get you know you get a team environment, and, and that helps because it's it's all about attitude. I think team golf. Is there one particular bit of advice that you would give to your normal Sunday or Saturday? Amateur. Play within yourself mm-hmm. and always finish your swing and make sure that you've plenty of food and water in the bag. Okay, there's some very, very, very good tips. Simple as that, right? The big, the one big thing though is if you can find out, and nobody, nobody will do, but if you can find out how far you hit the ball. Okay. I think, I think I can get there with that. Like the amount of times you play in a program and amateurs under club is mm-hmm. astonishing. And yeah. Nobody knows how far they hit the ball. Yeah, yeah. So if you could do that in a simple way of knowing that is when you hit it on the green. Yeah, most guys have lasers now, so you laser the flag, you know what it is. Yeah. Get your pitch mark and paste it off. Yeah. Find out how far it is. Yeah. And write it down. Well, my eight iron actually only went 127 yards, and yeah. I hit it perfect. But I think I hit a 145, but you don't. You hit a 127. Yeah, yeah. And leave your ego in the car park. Well, listen, Gary, thank you very much for interviewing me with this Good Talks podcast. Really appreciate you joining us, Andrew, and hopefully talk to you soon. And best of luck in your media career for the rest of the year. Thanks, Bobby. So that was the Gary Murphy interview, and again, just thank you very much for for his time. Um, Barry, what did you take from that, or what was the bit that stood out for you most? Uh, there, in that part there, I thought it was very interesting to hear about how tough it is to to get your tour card or keep your tour card. Um, I, lo- I love the quote he gave, uh, Wayne Riley's quote, saying that a putt for a hundred grand is easy because you know you're getting good money anyway. But a putt to keep your tour card is so much harder because you know the big difference that makes to your life for the next year. So, um, you know, and his story about how tough it was for him the first time in the Asian Tour School, he missed that two footer on seventeen. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's, inter- it's really interesting to get an insight into it, into the, the professional level of golf versus you know what we deal with on a weekly basis, which is you know no, no pressure, no pressure at all compared to that. So. Um, yeah, br- brilliant on that. Cheers again to Gary for that. It was uh, it was wonderful to hear um, get an insight into his career. Alan, did you get anything from it? What did you? What was your highlights in that part? I suppose the one thing I always like, um, like even when I'm watching the golf on the TV or watching these interviews, is, is actually taking a, is getting advice from professionals. So mm. you know they're the people that you actually do want to get advice from. And I think he said a couple of very like which seem like very basic things, but you see a lot of amateurs who don't take them, like especially the. The food and water, you know, it actually is important to be properly hydrated when you're out in the course because otherwise you can kind of go fade out a bit in the last few holes. So I think that I think those things, and then the one that I'd never even thought about was actually measuring out the distance that you hit your irons from your pitch mark on the green. So you obviously zap in the flag and then you measure or walk it back out to your pitch mark. I'd never even thought of that. I thought that was a great little uh, Mm. small piece of advice. And then obviously the other things like where you're saying to finish your swing and play within yourself they're they're kind of nearly common sense but you a lot of people wouldn't actually think about them that much so i, I thought his, his advice for amateurs was was great but it was it was a great interview again was, yeah i i have to say i took the, the, the food and water as, as mm. one that was absolutely something that yeah. everybody should be doing especially where in amateurs we're on count back so the last two or three holes are absolutely exactly, vital yeah. to being in the winner circle or not and um, well if anybody has any views um, on the, the Gary Murphy interview we'd love to hear from you um, the email address is a good talk spoiled at gmail.com and the twitter handle is at podcast gts we'd love to hear what bits you took from it and the bits that you enjoyed the most and um, moving then on um, and I suppose I look forward to next week's uh, professional competitions Crown Plaza Internationals the one over in the U- US Boo Weekly defending it's probably not the major tournament this week that we'll all be concentrating on any bets by either of you in relation to it or any views yeah. on it no interesting that adam scott is you know taking on his first tournament as world number one so uh he's good to see how he gets on you know it's a it's actually quite a good tournament it is but not the one that i want to look at the most this week it's nice actually it's nice actually for the european tour for once to be the to be the big event the of the week isn't it yeah, yeah. so it's great so i i i i have one bet i suppose i'm gonna have i'm gonna i'm gonna follow on from your recommendation last week james and i'm going to back boo weekly 
Oh, uh, I think he's a he's a horses for courses kind of guy. So I think uh, defending champion as well. Exactly. Good week last week, defending champion. So mm-hmm. fifty five to one. I thought it was a good price. Fifty five to one. It was one twenty five last week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you you moved the market, James. Yeah, yeah rocked it. That's it. So yeah. that's my that's that's my only bet. Yeah, it's a good field. It'll be good good viewing in the evening after the. The exactly, big, the yeah. big one for us now, which is the BMW PGA yeah. Championship at Wentworth, and this is this is really the flagship tournament for the the European Tour, isn't it? This is the one that all the players. Like I was listening to Rory today in his interview, and he was saying, you know, regardless of what had happened with with the engagement, he was not missing this tournament. You know, he had given this is his flagship. He wants yeah. to be there, and. I think that that's the way we all look at it, isn't it, Alan? You, yeah, you, well, it's a, it's a fantastic field every year, and it's a fantastic golf course. So, yeah, those two always combine to, uh, and I to think to give a, a good event. Great yeah. viewing, great viewing on the Sunday it, afternoon in particular. This happens to be, I think, the tournament that every time I ever watch it, Ernie L seems to do well because I think he lives on the course. Doesn't he have a house? I think at Wentworth, yeah, yeah. he always seems to do pretty well. He always well, used so. to, he always used to dominate the match play. Remember when the match play was? Oh, yeah, he just used to seem to like he won it every year. Um, so you're not backing him this year. That was I'm his, not backing him. That was his yearly <laughs> bonus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, I, sorry, but I think one of the great things about this course is it's one of the it must be one of the very very rare ones that finish with two par fives yeah and it makes it always makes for a really exciting finish especially the 18 now with the pond in front of it and so it's it's like as well as being a great event it always seems to kind of even there's a lot of playoffs and there's a lot of it always seems to come down to the last hole so yeah. i think it's i think it's a great event. it's a brilliant course as well they made a few changes a few years ago and yeah. then there was a, a bit of a lash backlash from the pros and they took that feedback, and Ernie Els was actually involved in some of these changes, so they made a few more tweaks to it, and they all seem to really enjoy it now. Um, and like as you say, it's, it's nearly always giving us drama at the on the final day, so yeah. uh, it's a cracking golf course. So Thursday, tomorrow's competition is going to be in tribute of Ian McGregor, or is it Ian McGregor? Ian McGregor, the, yeah. the caddy who, who unfortunately died, uh, Alistair Forsythe's caddy. I think, what are they doing back? They're doing, doing a, everyone's going to wear a Black for Mac uh, in tribute or in honour of uh, Ian who died there a couple of weeks ago in Madeira. So I think that's a nice touch, you know, the whole tour, caddies, players, everyone banding together. So, mm. um, yeah, it's, it's, Probably it's not a nice, finishing nice touch. the tournament in Madeira would have also been a nice touch, but that's yeah. for another day. They, uh, they, seem to, they seem to be sorting through that. There mm. was some communication drops and blunders. So, um, yeah, look, some, sometimes these mess-ups have to happen for proper things to get put in place. So, so Alan, any bets anybody you're looking at? Are you gonna yeah. fill your boots like you did last week with Sergio? No, I'm not gonna fill my boots because I'm going on a few. I'm You're wearing sandals this yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very poor. <laughs> I'm throwing a few Hail Marys out here, out there this week to try and recoup some of the money that I gave away last week. So I'm having three bets. I'm going to uh, back Paul Laurie at eighty to one, Alvaro Quiros at eighty to one, and Alejandro Canazares at seventy to one. So they're my three picks. I'm gonna. Nothing too crazy, but I think I, I can't I can't I can't really pick anyone from the top of the field, and the odds are quite skinny for the uh, for the top four. I know, and those five to ones just don't come in for you. At times, no, no, they're certainly not paying <laughs> paying their way anyway. <laughs> really not. The top of the market's quite squeezed. Like the top, yeah. the top eight are all inside twenty two to one, which is really unusual. Usually you'll have a couple of apps outright favourites, and then they'll spread yeah. out. But you've uh, and Westwood who, Rose, Donald McElroy, Garcia are all less than twenty to one. You know, so how do you pick from that five there. That's why I think it's one to actually. It's it's one where you can find a bit of value down the back of the pack because yeah. the, because there's so many big guys at the top of the market. They're kind of they're eating up all the all the prices, I suppose. And in particular, you do kind of tend to get a few of the um, the English lads or the especially the home nations, UK and Ireland guys will f- play well in Wentworth and you know jump into the top five or six from a really long price and there's yeah. a little bit of value to be caught there. Um, so who are you looking at, Barry? Or are you? I actually, I think Francesco Molinari could go very well this week. So if I was to pick somebody from the top of the market to win, I think uh, I'd put my money on him. Um, what else he? He's twenty-two to one. So it's just too short, though. Yeah, it is yeah, short. It really it? Is. for him. That's very short. Exactly. He hasn't won in a, you know, quite yeah. a while. So obviously, I think you know Westwood Rose and Donald will go very well here. The three of them all in general always uh, do. Um, if I was to, for a long punt though, and I think I might him for my presenter bet as well so we'll go into so, maybe go to the presenter bet we will go on yeah we'll hang on do you want to do that okay so yeah go ahead Bob, What's your has, presenter? Bob, Bob has picked off air he has gone for Richie Ramsey 
Richie so Ramsey. We're all going for the long odds this week. Yeah. Eighty to one and over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, I am going to take Eddie Pepperell, who had finished sixth last year. He's been playing okay recently. Yeah, he was he's, he's well out there in the odds. He's one hundred and twenty, one hundred and fifty to one. So he was leading after the first round last week, wasn't he? he was, after the first two rounds, the first two rounds. Yeah, okay. so uh, still one hundred and fifty to one after a good show. Yeah. Okay, you have a tendency to pick players that have good rounds for a couple and then some really awful rounds. So I'm guessing he'll have three good rounds and a really bad final round. Yeah, it's kind of like backing Harrington or Allen every week. <laughs> <laughs> Always ends in heartbreak. <laughs> <laughs> he does. Uh, I um, my presenter bet. I'm going with Nicholas Col- Colstart. Uh, who are you going with, Alan? Um, I'm going to go with Alvaro Quiros. I was thinking Paul Larry, but I think I'll go with Quiros. Yet again, following you, James. Yeah, you that's great. He's, cause, uh, he's in my top 200, which probably means you've just put the curse yeah. on him. So yeah, exactly. I'm guessing I'm going down in the leaderboard next week. It'll be DQ'd, I'd say. Yeah. Um, okay, so that, that that's next week, and we'll be looking back on those tournaments. So hopefully the weather will be nice and we'll get some good golf uh, on the TV. And the moment everybody's been waiting for, which is the rules question, and just a very quick uh, recap. So the question was, in match play, a player's ball lies on a bridge over a water hazard and he grounds his club. What is the ruling? A, no penalty. That's what Barry went with. B, the player loses the hole. Nobody went with that. And C, the player is penalised two strokes. Can I just say, they re- we really need to get a photo of the faces on myself and Alan when we both have different answers. This is a big one now, a 10-all as well. It's, yeah. It's a real momentum. Um... It really is. And I thought that this happened, I think, with Pork and Sergio in the British Open when one of their balls landed on the bridge. And I actually thought that you would have remembered that. Is this why they're not friends? Well, I think but it, didn't finish, it didn't finish on the bridge. Harrington won't bounced off the bridge into the water. Did it finish off it? Which means it's going to be a two-shot penalty. Well, I can reveal that one of you is correct. And I'm building up suspense here just because they're getting really agita- agitated here and twitchy. <laughs> and the winner is Barry. What? Yes! I love it. The rule is there is no penalty because the bridge is not deemed to be in the hazard. Outstanding. That is farcical. I, well, I told you your week was going to just continue being bad. If, if you're not happy, <laughs> oh. Alan, I would suggest that you write to the RNA uh, care of St. Andrews and see if they'll change the rule for if, you. I think they might. If not, if anybody has any uh, views on that or any other part of the podcast from today, our email address is a good talk spoiled at gmail.com. The Twitter handle is at podcast GTS. We'd ask that anybody who has listened and enjoys it, if they go onto iTunes and give us a rating. Um, and that then just leaves me to thank Barry and Alan and everybody for listening. And hopefully Bob will be back here in the hot seat next week and I'll be relegated to my normal position of quiet man in the corner Um, (laughs) thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy your golf if you're playing this weekend and we'll talk to you next week (laughs) (laughs) bye bye well you're fine bye bye